Another week begins in a relatively new month, and no matter what side of the Atlantic Ocean you are on, it is 4422. This is also the 94th day of the year, and we are now officially a quarter of the way through. This is the relevant edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm the usual host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, a fish kill is reported off of Barracks Road in Charlottesville. Community engagement for Albemarle's Comprehensive Plan Review moves forward with a new newsletter. The Pantops Community Advisory Committee is briefed on transportation projects, and Charlottesville City Council is briefed on capital projects, and they are presented with a potential scenario where a real estate tax increase may not be necessary this year. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, lovers of used books rejoice! The Friends of the Jefferson Madison Regional Library is back again with their annual Spring Book Sale, which opened this past Saturday and runs through Sunday, April 10th. The Friends of the Library sale will once again take place at Albemarle Square Shopping Center from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day. There are all sorts of genres available, and bring your money, because they've got the books. Visit jmrlfriends.org to learn more. The city of Charlottesville has reported the deaths in late March of hundreds of fish and other aquatic life in a section of Meadow Creek. Scientists with the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality evaluated the location near Cedars Court and found 842 dead fish, 130 dead salamanders, and 40 dead worms. Here's part of an announcement that was sent out Friday afternoon. Despite further exploration of potential sources by city staff, no source or responsible party has been identified. It is likely that this is a case of illegal dumping of a chemical or toxic product. According to the report from the DEQ, there is no known source of pollution, and the city will continue to monitor the area. The city worked with the Rivanna Conservation Alliance on the day the incident was reported by a community member, and they found live creatures, both upstream and downstream from the area, which is just to the north of the east wing of the Barracks Road Shopping Center. Albemarle County has begun the community engagement process for the Comprehensive Plan Review, which is currently in the first of four phases. Here's a section from the first newsletter for what's being called AC44. Behind the scenes, our project team has continued to gather data on existing conditions and recent trends in the county. This data is focused on the ways community members live, work, and travel in Albemarle County, and how and where we may have room to grow within our existing development areas. The first phase is called Plan for Growth and is intended to review Albemarle's growth management policy, which is available for review on the AC44 website. A public service on this will go live on April 29th. Over 100 people have applied to be part of the working group that will oversee the work, and staff are receiving the applications. You can sign up for the newsletter on the Albemarle County website to get more information. In March, Albemarle's Growth Area Advisory Committees learned about the county's transportation process and got updates on area projects. Albemarle keeps a list of projects that have been identified to address congestion issues, improve public safety, increase economic development, and achieve other goals. Jessica Hirsch-Ballering is a principal transportation planner for Albemarle County. 
the last time it was updated was in 2019, but we are embarking on another update, a, a reprioritization um, over the next year or two, combined with the uh, the comprehensive plan update. A project to make changes at the intersection of US 250 and Virginia Route 20 was funded by a smart scale in its third round. A sidewalk will be added in front of the McDonald's in the northwest quadrant of the intersection. It would add a two-stage pedestrian crossing of 250 on the east leg of the intersection. Changes to the signalizations and the geometry will be made as well to increase the number of vehicles that can go through the intersection. However, this project won't begin until the winter of 2025, with a public hearing scheduled in the summer of 2023. Additionally, this project would add, will add a right turn lane for westbound vehicles on um, 250 that are trying to turn right or north onto Route 20. A second smart scale project will see corridor improvements made to the east of that intersection up to Hanson Mountain Road. This access management project will be built around the same time. But still great because the project is fully funded and it will be happening. The center turn lane will be replaced with a concrete median with specific openings for turns. VDOT's fast-tracking this project so that it can be on the same schedule as the previous project and also so that both projects can use the same construction contractor. And what that will do is it will allow for overall cost efficiencies for both projects. Hirsch Ballering also gave an update on the proposed pedestrian bridge across the Rivanna River. Last month, the policy board of the Metropolitan Planning Organization selected an alignment that would connect the former State Farm headquarters with the woolen mills at the wool factory. That's the basis for a smart scale application that is currently being produced. The county will also launch a micro transit service in the Pantops area that would be more like a ride sharing service than fixed transit. While it works like Uber and you can do all that to request a ride, it still functions as a public utility. So the vehicles that pick you up are not going to be anyone's personal private vehicle. It is a transit vehicle and it will always um, be ADA accessible. There would also be no surge pricing. For more details from this particular briefing, view the video on YouTube. So far, it's had one view. Let's see if we can get that number up to seven through the Charlottesville Community Engagement Bump. You are listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for today's second subscriber-fueled shout-out. There's an upcoming panel discussion on local history tomorrow, Tuesday, April 5th, beginning at 7 p.m. The Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society continues its race and sports project with a discussion with former star athletes and high school and college coaches. Dr. Shelley Murphy will moderate a panel with Wade Tremblay, Garwin DeBerry, and George Pusekas. They'll share their stories and experiences during the desegregation of local public schools in the 1950s and 60s. The virtual event is available through a Zoom registration and is also available through Facebook Live. That's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock on Tuesday, April 5th. There are eight days until Charlottesville City Council will adopt a budget for the next fiscal year, and many remaining decisions have yet to be made about the tax rate, which will fuel the rest of it. Will there be an increase in the city's real estate tax? 
Council can increase to as high as $1.05 per $100 of assessed value. Will the city lower the personal property tax rate on vehicles to provide relief in the face of climbing values? The Commissioner of Revenue has recommended doing so, but leaving it at $4.20 per $100 of assessed value would bring in $2 million in unanticipated revenue that budget staff was not expecting. Will Council agree to a half percentage point in the meals tax? There's a public hearing on this tonight. Charlottesville City Council meets twice this week and once again on April 12th to formally adopt the budget, which is larger than presented in March due to higher revenue projections. Council met three times last week, including a work session on capital improvement programs on March 31st, at which staff indicated there may be more money available to support council initiatives. Here's Chrissy Hamill, the city's senior budget management analyst. That's roughly about 3.7 that we can add to the 23 budget. More on those details in a minute. This is going to be a long one. The March 31st work session was a chance for Hamill to go through the nearly $157.4 million five-year plan in detail. The draft five-year CIP recommends $75 million for school reconfiguration, and the budget recommended by staff anticipates 2.5 of that being spent in fiscal year 23 and the rest in fiscal year 24. It should be noted that council can only make decisions about the next fiscal year, and it will be up to their future counterparts to make the next set of choices. Over time, economic conditions will change. The Capital Improvement Plan does have projects that were approved by previous councils and that budget staff have factored into the overall plan, but for which bonds have not yet been sold. Any council can end those projects and transfer the paper money to another, such as last year when council directed staff to take $18.6 million from the West Main Streetscape project and put it toward school reconfiguration. The current schedule anticipates the issuance of nearly $16.9 million in bond sales in calendar year 2023. Council was also briefed on recommendations from the Charlottesville Planning Commission on the Capital Improvement Program, including one that sought to continue defunding a decision made by Council five years ago to purchase property on East Market Street for a future parking structure. They recommended that existing and requested parking structure funding be reduced to a minimum. And so um, we basically removed all of the funding that was originally proposed in 23. Um, it was remaining at 1.3 million. Uh, we took all of that out. And so if you look at this current draft, there is no additional money for the parking garage. The city paid $2.85 million for that property. And the idea had been to tear down two commercial structures and consolidate the lot with one next door to build a garage to support an expanded courts complex to serve both Albemarle and Charlottesville. Under the terms of an agreement signed in December of 2018, the city must provide a certain amount of spaces to Albemarle. My understanding is we're still in discussions with the county on the path forward there, but there are no new dollars. The city has a balance of $2.8 million for the parking garage, according to Economic Development Director Chris Engel. Again, this funding represents bonds previously authorized by council, but not yet sold. Hamill said staff were able to accomplish some of the Planning Commission's other requests, such as fully funding the city's efforts to treat and remove ash trees at a level of $105,000 a year, as well as increasing funding for new sidewalks to $100,000 a year. 
The Planning Commission also recommended decreasing funds for other categories, such as economic development strategic initiatives, small area plans, and implementation of the strategic investment area. Those items have all been reduced by staff. Other projects that have been discussed since the budget was introduced in early March include $4.9 million to cover the city's cost to build a sidewalk on Stribling Avenue, as well as a new section of the Meadow Creek Trail. Hamill suggested taking the $1.3 million that had been expected in new funding for the parking garage and assigning that instead to the Stribling project, plus an agreement with Southern Development to pay a $2.9 million loan to the city to build the sidewalk in order to support a rezoning for 170 units. Hamill said that would put the project in position to be funded in fiscal year 25, which is when the developer would be ready to proceed. It must be noted that fiscal year 2025 begins on July 1st, 2024. Budgets are confusing. The city is still in negotiations with Southern Development with the details, and the rezoning will return to council at a later date. Here's Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders. We are definitely facing well over a year of planning on this sidewalk project. It is that complicated. There are also nearly $5 million in requests from the Piedmont Housing Alliance to help subsidize the cost of two different projects on Park Street that City Council rezoned earlier this year. Toward the end of her presentation, Hamill showed multiple scenarios for school reconfiguration, some of which are built on council, agreeing to a total of $68.8 million in city funding for that purpose. This also anticipates the use of $7.5 million in American Rescue Plan Act funds received by the school system, as well as the use of $6.7 million from the city's surplus from fiscal year 21. While during her presentation, Hamill showed two scenarios that included at least a five-cent increase in the real estate tax rate, she also suggested that the city may have more money than originally suggested. She discussed increases in revenues for fiscal year 23, including an additional $900,000 that would come from the sales tax, $500,000 that would come from the lodging tax, and $25,000 for the meals tax. We've bumped those up some based on our current uh, collection rate. We continue to see growth in those, um, and we continue to see recovery at a faster rate than we originally anticipated. Council could also choose to not lower the personal property tax rate, as Commissioner of Revenue Todd Divers has suggested. All told, the city's anticipated revenues are higher than presented in early March. And here's that quote from the beginning of the story again. That's roughly about 3.7 that we can add to the 23 budget. Those higher-than-anticipated revenues are also affecting the current year, and Hamill said there is currently a projected surplus of $12.4 million in revenues. If you were to decide to do a tax increase, that also would be um, an impact on 22, and that number would go up. That's because the tax rate applies to the calendar year and not the fiscal year. In addition, the city also has a capital improvement program contingency account, that has a balance of around $11.4 million. Some of this funding could be applied to some of the priorities, and council faces several choices for how to proceed, such as should they use the contingency funds to cover the Piedmont Housing Alliance requests. Here's Vice Mayor Juan Diego Wade. I I love the opportunity to have options. Councilor Brian Pinkston sought clarification if Hamill was suggesting that the city could use those funds to avoid an increase in the real estate tax this year. 
that is one option. I think, you know, the risk here is that um, this something could happen and these two years may not, you know, this surplus maybe doesn't materialize. Surplus funds cannot be used and allocated until they have been independently audited, which usually happens by December. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said the surplus could be used to cover the cost of future debt service in the future. And what that does is, A, it buys us a year before we have to decide whether to raise the tax rate, which also buys us some time to see if the General Assembly folks can can pull some magic out of the, out of the hat for uh, a sales tax increase. Snook said he would prefer not to raise the real estate tax rate in a year when assessments have climbed by over 10 percent. Councillor Cena McGill repeated her desire for a real estate tax increase this year. I would feel more comfortable if we had like a one cent at least that we are putting towards the school fund. Councillor Michael Payne also supported a real estate tax increase this year to ensure the city can increase spending on affordable housing, transit and collective bargaining. I would think that our real estate tax would be less regressive than the meals or um, uh, personal property tax and that we should be looking at that. Tonight's public hearing is on the meals tax and there will be a budget work session on Thursday. What do you think? Have you been paying attention? Are all of these numbers confusing? What would make it better? Uh, This particular one, I think, does go a little bit long, and I would like to have edited. I would like to have had this out on Friday. Unfortunately, I can't get to everything as quickly as I can. But, of course, uh, we still have some time, and hopefully uh, we'll have more on the budget in a future installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and thank you for listening. Support for this program does, of course, come from readers and listeners. And so if you're listening to this and you have subscribed, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. You are helping to make this thing go. Uh, The best way to support the program is, is of course, probably to subscribe through Substack. That way the company Ting will match that first initial payment that you make, which is really great to support this brand of community journalism which I certainly uh, think is important to get out there to people. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, But of course, it is nice to get the support, and I really do appreciate that. And of course, uh, drop me a line if you have any questions. I am Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. It's time to get on to produce this so I can get on to the next one. The next city council meeting begins in 15 minutes, which is where the future is, I think. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thanks for listening. Stay informed. And goodbye.